Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Today, it's going to get dark, folks. We're talking about dark Disney theories, some that I have come up with, and some that I have scoured the internet for. You're either going to love or hate this episode. I'm just going to say it right now. You're either going to love, or I'm going to ruin some Disney movies for you. Also, since it was announced that The Wizard of Oz is being remade, I'm going to bring on amateur movie critic Allie, and we're going to give our picks on who they should cast in that remake, plus a spoiler-free review of Judas and the Black Messiah. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so a couple episodes back, I went on kind of a rant in this idea I had after watching Toy Story 1 and 2 recently. And some people were like, man, you got way too dark on that theory. But I have a lot of these, so I decided to compile them together, some of which I have come up with on my own about Disney movies that will maybe just change the way you thought about a Disney movie you saw as a kid or just overall ruin a Disney movie for you. And then I've also scoured the internet I went on Reddit and a bunch of kind of fan theory sites to find what other people had to say about Disney movies. And I tried to find the most interesting ones, ones that actually had some kind of way of making sense. So we shall call this Dark Disney Theories. Let's go. All right, so let's start first with the one I came up with on my own after watching Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 again for the, I don't know, 10th time in the last 10 years but I was watching this movie and there's just something about Andy's character and if you're familiar with Toy Story you know that he lacks a father figure throughout the entire thing there's just nothing that you know about his father even about his mom you don't know a whole lot and there's also not a whole lot of kids outside of Andy in Toy Story now later you have some kids down the line in Toy Story 3 but really it's just about Andy and his toys 
Now, there are some theories about Toy Story that say that it's just about Andy's mom and his dad going through a divorce. That's why you never see him. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think it's actually about Andy coping with the death of his father. Now, there's a little bit of evidence here in that you don't really get to know Andy's father. You don't really see him. And my theory why I came up with this and kind of his attachment to toys is that Woody was a gift to him from his dad. And that's why he's his favorite. That's why he plays with them all the time, has crafted his room to be a shrine to Woody. And it was kind of him growing up a little bit once he got Buzz Lightyear, introduced him to his life and changed a little bit that you see Andy's growth. But I think that's why he's really kept a lot of his toys around. They were all just gifts from his parents, in particular his dad. Because when you think about how he grows over the years and you go from him being a kid to being in college, that somehow he has kept all these same toys with him all the way to college. I can't think of any toys I kept with me all the way through college. So I think there's some kind of attachment he has to the toys he he owns. And that's why he takes such great care of them. And that's why he just keeps them in his life because he has this attachment to them because he lost his father. And that's him kind of holding on to that memory. Again, it's a pretty dark theory. And I just think there's some other kind of layer of Andy that you don't really get to know. And even if you rewatch that first one, I kind of noticed at the birthday party, all the other kids attending the birthday party are all versions of Andy. Now, this is kind of a weird thing to bring up, but I think it really has to do with the animation at that time. They didn't have enough money or the technology to create a bunch of different characters for this movie. So if you look closely, it's all just Andy, but in different clothing. So that kind of adds to my theory of he's created this whole world where everything's kind of in his control with his toys and preserving this memory. So that is my theory about Toy Story. This next theory is about the Lion King. And I saw this one recently on TikTok. And it's basically saying that Scar ate Mufasa. Now, when you think about the Lion King, Scar is really the best Disney villain of all time. And really in any kind of movie, I think Scar is the greatest villain. Why? Because he actually gets things done. Like there's so many villains in so many movies to where they reveal their plan and the plan just by the end of it gets destroyed. It never happens or it happens to an extent and they just get taken over by the hero, which is what you want to see in a movie. But with Scar, his ultimate evil plan actually happens and he's actually able to go pretty hardcore by killing Mufasa and then takes over Pride Rock and is just reigning and really just taking everything to crap. But he did it. Unlike other supervillains, he actually follows through with this plan. Of course, he gets defeated by Simba later and it's all great and everything, but he actually gets things done as a villain. But the theory is that Scar actually ate Mufasa after killing him because in the movie, you remember, you know, he, they're on the cliff. He throws him off and he dies, but you never really see Mufasa's body afterward. It moves on to Simba's story. But you would probably think that the hyenas ate him. But if you research that, hyenas actually don't eat lions. They will attack and kill cubs, but they won't kill and eat lions. It's usually the lions killing them. So there's that intact. Maybe they didn't eat him. And the reason people think that Scar ate Mufasa is because when later in the movie where he's kind of talking to Zazu and he's playing around with the skull, he's playing around with what appears to be a lion skull. So somebody took that image of Scar with that skull and compared it to a real lion skull. They actually look pretty dang similar. So the theory is Scar went full villain, 
killed Mufasa, and then ate him. The greatest villain ever, ladies and gentlemen. All right, and if you were hoping for things to get any lighter, I am sorry to inform you they are not. We're going to get a little bit darker here. I'll try to get a little bit more uplifting later in the episode. But this is called Dark Disney Theories. We're going dark, people. So I think some of you guys will enjoy this, and some of you listening will ultimately hate this. But I wanted to commit to this episode because it fulfilled me doing something I've always wanted to do. So let me know what you think about it from this moment on, because we're about to get dark. Now, you may remember the movie Up, a classic from 2009. It's about Carl Fredrickson, 78-year-old balloon salesman, living out his lifelong dream of essentially tying a bunch of balloons to his house and flying away after his wife dies. Bringing along Russell, who was just there to sell him something. And that's the whole movie, them bonding and learning about each other. And it's a great story, and it's a really emotional movie, mainly because of the opening scene where his wife dies. Within the first five minutes of the movie, it, it just hits you right in the gut. And I remember watching this movie in theaters being like, oh my gosh, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen. So, for a Disney movie to punch you in the gut so soon. The theory is that Carl Fredrickson was actually dead the entire time. And I could see a little bit of truth to this one. You think about seeing news stories of, you know, people dying in their late 70s and their 80s and 90s, and, you know, they've been married for so many years. One passes away, and sometimes the other one is just short to follow. It's really the most awful thing you can hear about, and they're just so heartbroken that they, they pass away too, and it's sad. And the whole theory about Up is that that's what happened here. His wife dies, he's unable to process the grief, and he passes away too. And the entire movie is really just his journey into the afterlife, and it's Russell trying to get him there. Like, Russell's like his guardian angel trying to get him to heaven. So as if this movie wasn't sad enough already, if you think about this, it kind of makes sense. The whole symbol of the balloons, of the house flying away, of trying to reach this place that they had both dreamed of to be together, it's kind of like him wanting to be reunited with her in that special place, you know, that place they were talking about and saved up for. And it's Russell and later Doug the dog who allow him to achieve that. And you think about it, we haven't seen an up part two, such a successful movie to not have a follow-up, which Pixar doesn't do that a whole lot, which I don't like. But it kind of makes sense. So make a sadder movie just that much more sad. We just did it, folks. All right, we'll stay in the realm of figments of your imagination and get a little bit more dark here. Now, we all remember Finding Nemo. And another Disney Pixar movie that really kind of hits you in the gut at the very beginning is when you find out about the attack that killed his mother and his other siblings, and Nemo is basically the one that survived, which is why his dad, Marlin, is so overprotective of him. And even though he was born with a defect, he just tries everything to just keep him safe. And it kind of means, you know, limiting to him and being like a regular fish. And you really get a kind of grasp for his dad's kind of overall sadness and just grief and why he's just being so overprotective because he doesn't want to lose Nemo like he did his mom. The theory, though, is that Nemo didn't actually survive the attack. And all of Finding Nemo is just Marlin going through the stages of grief, that he has just created a figment of Nemo in his head that he survived and the whole movie is him just kind of playing out that grief and imagining that Nemo was there the whole time. But really, there's no Nemo. And he's trying to find Nemo throughout the entire movie going along and asking all these people. And they're trying to help him. 
but they kind of realize like this guy is not all there. We're just going to kind of help him, which kind of makes more sense when he runs into Dory for the first time. And people online have gone as far as breaking down why Nemo's name is Nemo. And actually the Latin word means nothing being in turn that Nemo does not exist and nothing more than a figment of his imagination. And then all the five stages of grief are played out through the entire movie. So finding Nemo didn't really happen. He never found Nemo. That's sad. All right, this next one is the last super dark, twisted one. The other ones are a little more lighthearted, but again, we're committing to the theme here of keeping things dark. So let's talk about Peter Pan, a really old classic movie I remember watching on VHS. And there's something about a hum of a VHS player and the way it looks on a big old tube TV that really gives a heightened quality, I think, to the movie Peter Pan. And I always thought the overall story of Peter Pan was a little weird. You know, Peter Pan coming flying in through their window and taking them away to Neverland. Something just seemed a bit off. Like, where do they go? Why don't their parents go look for them? What is really happening here? And the theory is that Peter Pan is actually the angel of death. And he holds the hands of children on the way to heaven, a.k.a. Neverland, when they die. Let that sink in for a little bit. And suddenly, Peter Pan makes a lot more sense, at least in this dark tone. So then you start thinking about the other parts of the movie and you think about Neverland, you think about the Lost Boys, and maybe that's why they actually don't ever grow up. It kind of makes a little bit of sense because by the time they get to Neverland, they're already dead. They're going to be the same age they're going to be forever. And it's the age where they died, which is sadly, they're all kids. So the theory goes a little further that Peter Pan is this kind of angel of death and that Hook is some sort of devil or something, but... It makes a little bit of sense, at least for me. Like that just kind of puts it a little bit more into perspective of why that movie is the way it is and the story is told that way. And there's even a little bit more truth to it. And not only that, but the original author of Peter Pan, whose name is J.M. Barry, his brother actually died at the age of 13, leading some to believe that this is where the idea came from. All right, we'll move off death for a little bit, at least in some capacity, but we'll move on to how Wally and A Bug's Life are a little bit connected. And there's a bigger theory of how all the Pixar movies are connected, but we're just looking at the dark ones today. But Wally kind of has a whole overall dark theme to it of the way the world gets overrun with technology and just that whole kind of thing. But at the end of Wally, after he's done saving the human race, he plants a tree. And some say that tree resembles the same tree in A Bug's Life. So if it's the same tree, they're saying that A Bug's Life actually takes place way in the future when humans no longer exist. Because you think about it, you don't see any humans in A Bug's Life. Even though the bugs in the movie have learned human things, they think they just learned them over time from the humans. But it's in a world where no humans exist. So maybe you watched that movie and thought it was just in some distant place somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. It could actually be in your very hometown where you and none of your loved ones no longer live. There's also a similar theory when it comes to the movie Cars that that's also set so far in the future in a world where animals no longer exist because of pollution. So you don't see any other animals in that movie because they all died off. I kind of just like this idea of Disney's taking place in some kind of dystopian future where everybody else is gone and it's just like talking animals and bugs. There's also a way older theory about Alice in Wonderland where basically the entire movie is just her hallucinating on drugs and none of that stuff actually happened, which is probably believable. That movie came out in the 50s. People were experimenting. There's a lot of evidence about this one. It seems like a kid's movie, but it could just be somebody tripping on drugs the entire movie. Movie's very weird, so it's very likely. 
And the final one here, there's actually some truth to that the movie Frozen, you know, it's about Anna and Elsa, their relationship as sisters, but there's a whole underlying theory that it's actually a political statement about climate change. And I remember when this movie came out, I didn't watch Frozen until about last year. But one of the main things I remember hearing about was it wasn't really a kid's movie. It was this whole theory about global warming. And when I watched it for the first time last year, I kind of forgot about that. But people said that Disney kind of did this to place it in the minds of young kids watching the movie that if we don't do things about pollution and destroying the environment, that Olaf would die and melt away. You never get to give him a warm hug. And who's to say about this one? You know, people make these movies. They have ideas about the world. Sometimes they try to work them in. At least they're not doing what they used to do back in the 90s and work in like dirty words or dirty things into the background. Remember when that was a thing? Like I remember that was the only reason I wanted to get a physical copy of The Little Mermaid because of what people said was on the cover. If you don't know about that, I don't suggest you Google that. There's a lot surrounding The Little Mermaid about hidden things in that movie. And there's also some with The Lion King. I haven't really seen any of that recently, which it could have been back in the day. They were just like, you know what? Let's just throw this in here. Nobody's really going to know about it. There's no internet for people to dive in and break these movies down and tell everybody our secrets. They were only really seeing it in theaters and on VHS. It would be a lot harder now to work in something dirty to a Disney movie. Not to say they haven't been successful yet. These movies are very detailed. You can't watch everything going on in the background. But hey. I feel like somebody would pull those out if that were true. But anyway, this has been Dark Disney Theories. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And hopefully you can still watch these movies the same way before I gave you my thoughts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women. And this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, so the news that came out last week is they are renewing The Wizard of Oz, making a remake after many times they've done this movie. And I have on with me now amateur movie critic Allie. How's it going, Allie? Doing well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So you do this thing on your Instagram all the time that I love. It's would you watch this? So I think this is what this segment is kind of based off. Are you okay with me kind of ripping off your segment that you do on Instagram? Absolutely. It's here for the public. So now that this Wizard of Oz is coming out, I think they kind of have to go a different cast. They're going a different feel. It's the director from The Watchmen doing it. And they're saying it's not going to be a musical. So I just thought it'd be fun to go back and forth and think of like who we want to be in this movie. So first up with Dorothy, hit me with who you have. Okay, Dorothy's is the hardest one for me. I feel like they could go so many different ways. I don't know if they want to do older Dorothy, younger Dorothy, however that's going to work. Um, I think looks wise, I would go with someone like Haley Steinfeld. I know it's a little bit bold of a choice, but she is acting a lot these days. If they do make her sing, she's ready for it. I think looks wise, she really nails it. That's a pretty good one. I had Anya Taylor Joy from the Queen's Gambit. Like look wise, I just think that's kind of where they would go with Dorothy. And also, I mean, coming off the Queen's Gambit, I think that's kind of a great fit for her. What do you think about that one? I love that. I'm obsessed with her, so I fully support that one as well. Do you think, I mean, The Wizard of Oz has such an awful history. Do you think they would make this movie like, okay, we realized that it was just so awful and back, I mean, they made the first one in 1939, but you think going right. into this movie, the actors are thinking like, hey, uh, we're not going to do what we did before, do you? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so much that can be done to like change the history of like the movie. And, you know, I feel like there's so much history with like Judy Garland and like all these different things. I think they're wanting to change. So hopefully it'll be like a more progressive version of the movie. So who do you have for the Cowardly Lion? Okay, Cowardly Lion. I would love to see someone like David Diggs in this. I feel like he's really getting on the acting train. Um, I feel like he can do like accents and like characters really well so i'd love to see him try that i had dan levy here and i think it's because i just came off a big shit's creek kind of binge over the last year but i don't know i think it kind of fits him pretty well and we haven't really seen him in such a big movie like this i think that's a great start for him oh he's precious i feel like that would just be the sweetest character because they're trying to do this fresh take. I feel they have to include just people that are going to change it a little bit. I know people are going to complain already that they're remaking this and, you know, ruining the first one. But I think if they're going to remake it at this point, it has to be something just so different and distinct that it makes 
like a, a reason to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who do you have as the Tin Man? Tin Man, this one could go a lot of different ways. I would like to see like Neil Patrick Harris do something like this. I feel like he's quirky. It's funny. He's got a lot of personality that like brings to the character. And so I feel like he could do that really well. I could see that too. And the thing about the Tin Man isn't he just like really creepy and weird? Did he freak you out when you watched the first one, the original? Oh, for sure. Especially when they're like originally like oiling him up at the very beginning and he's just like so bizarre. You're like, okay, this is like kind of a fever dream. I don't really know <laughs> what to do with him. I think that's something about The Wizards of Oz. Like this movie kind of gave me nightmares as a kid. And I remember, <laughs> I remember it was specifically with the Tin Man. Like I think I had a dream where he was chasing after me with like an axe or something trying to kill me. Oh, interesting. See, mine was the the flying monkeys. I was really afraid they were coming, going to come get me then. What is wrong with this movie? Like being a kids movie and terrorizing kids. I feel like a lot of people kind of had that relationship with this movie of something about it not only the origin story of like the awful things that happened on set but all like the rumors surrounding it and just it being a creepy movie like I don't oh know, yeah it's just something like tormenting about the tin man to me but i had Absolutely. A, i had harry styles I oh okay see okay that would bring me to the next one i had harry styles down as potentially the scarecrow okay why why do you think harry styles fits this movie in either the tin man or the scarecrow honestly i just like, love that he's moved into the acting scene he is just precious and adorable and i love him i feel like he could bring a lot of um like warmth to the scarecrow character i could totally see him like getting down with that when you watch a movie that harry styles is in do you still see him as a kid from One Direction or as just Harry Styles, the musician? Or do you kind of able to separate that when you watch him? I feel like after watching him in Dunkirk mm-hmm. and just like seeing him in such an intense role where he was just like swimming in like cold water and having to do that whole thing. I feel like he's really made a good leap from the One Direction scene and seeing him as like a kid. Um, I very much see him as like a grown adult who is able to like I think hopefully master these like upcoming roles that he has lined up. I felt the same way about when I'm watching that, but at, I had him as uh, the Tin Man for the Scarecrows where you had him. I had Lin-Manuel Miranda there and I kind mm. of had the same thing you said earlier. If he had to sing, I think he could bust into it. And he also yeah. kind of has that kind of can be fun, can bring some vibrant kind of feel to the, to the role. I think he kind of fits at the Scarecrow. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. You have any honorable mentions? Honorable mentions um, for those, I think with Dorothy, I, there were a couple other ways they could do it. I think if they wanted to do like a more age appropriate um, casting of that, I was going to say McKenna Grace. Okay. Um, she's from, you know, I watched her The Haunting of Hill House, she was in Troop Zero. She's like an actual teenager, so I could definitely see them if they're trying to swing it like age-wise. I could definitely see her stepping up for that one do you have anything planned next that you're going to do for would you watch because you kind of do a, a theme each time right yeah so i i have some good ones up my sleeve theme wise i think we might go with like old disney stars growing up and thinking a lot about you know like cole and Dylan sprouse i want to integrate them some way yeah it's just a fun game that i like to play and i like to get people's opinions on if they would watch you know rebooted movies with just crazy people some of them i think really would work out and some of them are just absolutely insane castings <laughs> that I come up with in my head, so I like to see what people think about them. I gotta admit, it's a little frustrating sometimes because you nail them so perfectly, and I'm like, why don't they make this? Like, why aren't they listening to Allie to, for these casting things? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If I could get paid to do this, I absolutely would, but I'm no casting agent, but I wish I was. 
All right, if you're listening now and want to go check out Allie on Instagram, she is at Aquillionaire. That's A-Q-U-I-L-L-I-O-N-A-I-R-E. I got it, right? Aquillionaire? Yes, it's perfect. Like millionaire, but with a quill in front of it. There you go. Well, thanks, Allie, for being on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. All right, it is time for another spoiler-free movie review. Today I'm talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, which is available for free to stream if you already have HBO Max. If not... You're going to have to go to the movie theater to see this one. And overall, a really powerful movie. One I wasn't expected to really get me riled up the way it did. Before I get into my review, here's just a little bit of Judas and the Black Messiah. You're looking at 18 months for the stolen car. Five years for impersonating a federal officer. Or you can go home. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I will learn. These ain't no terrorists. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder a liberation. So let's get into what this movie is about. It's essentially a movie about betrayal based on a true story. So if you're into watching movies based on true events, you can go back and research, which I am. I think you'll really enjoy this movie. The story follows a guy named William O'Neill, and he turns into an FBI informant after he commits this crime trying to actually impersonate an FBI agent in order to steal this car from these guys. He gets busted, taken in. They're like, all right, you could do five to seven years in prison, or you can go free right now. We can offer you this deal to infiltrate the Illinois Black Panther Party, and you got to take down this guy by the name of Fred Hampton. And that's what he does. He takes the deal and serves as their informant to essentially bring down this chapter of the Black Panther Party by taking down Fred Hampton, who is the chairman and their leader. And throughout the movie, you kind of learn more about this guy what the Black Panther Party is trying to do, and overall just what the FBI has done to use informants to take them down and just some really shady things going on here that really just kind of makes you want to throw something at the TV screen while you're watching this. You kind of get that passionate about it. And not only that, I think the movie does a really great job of creating this drama, making it feel realistic, like you're there in the 60s. It has like a very 60s feel to it with like a modern look, but there's just something about the way they were able to place it in that time period that really made this one feel like an important movie we need to watch right now. And you have just a really great cast here. Daniel Kaluuya, who was in Get Out and Black Panther. You also have Lakeith Stanfield, who was in Sorry to Bother You, Knives Out, and one of my favorite TV shows, Atlanta. And then you have Jesse Plemons, who is pretty much in every single like big dramatic movie now. Like if you know that Jesse Plemons is going to be in the movie, it's probably at least pretty good. Like, he must have the best agent ever getting him these awesome gigs because he's in, like, every great movie right now. And he's also kind of somebody that you see his face, maybe don't know his name, but he's been in so much. It's quite impressive. So overall, just a really great story about a revolution and this betrayal. And this movie goes for it. It's violent. It's disturbing. But the message is clear, so I think that's a really important part when doing a movie like this. It's clear the entire time. And if Lakeith doesn't get nominated for something after this, I think you have something really wrong going on. So I give this movie four out of five stabs in the back and probably easily the best movie I've seen so far in 2021. I know we're only like halfway through February, but I just thought it was fantastic. If you have HBO Max, check it out. If you're comfortable going to a movie theater, see it there too. And it is free on HBO Max, by the way. 
I know if you're already paid for the subscription, it doesn't feel free, but you don't have to pay that extra add-on. All the HBO Max movies are free. Time now for some movie news. <laughs> like my newscaster voice. Is that what that was? I scared you. You did scare me. I have my co-host and fiance here with me to talk about some movie news. And first, we'll start out with Bam Margera, who went on a drunken, I don't want to call it a tirade, but a kind of a meltdown on his Instagram and he kind of, I feel like he does this every, I don't know, year or so where he kind of breaks down. But they're supposed to be filming the new Jackass, and now he's been kicked off of the movie. Oh. Yeah. So here is a clip of uh, Bam Margera's now deleted Instagram video. I'm not in Jackass 4. If anybody cares about me, don't go see their movie because I will make mine way radder if you just venmo me a dollar. <laughs> Jackass does not care about me. Understand that, ladies and gentlemen. Knoxville doesn't give a f- about me. Spike Jones does not give a f- about me. And Tremaine, I still don't know yet. Boycott Jackass. So he's telling people to send him money to his personal Venmo account and he will go out and make a better Jackass movie. And I just feel really bad for him. Like, I know he has a lot going on beyond his struggles with alcohol and drugs and depression and all these things. He's saying like they were monitoring him and being very just putting him in a place to where he couldn't do the movie and now just kicking him out and nobody cares about him. I honestly think they want him to get better. Everything I've seen of them trying to help out Bam over the years with his struggles. It's them just wanting him to get better. And I don't, I feel like he's getting attacked. Like he feels that way, but I, I don't know. I just feel ultimately like kind of sad. Yeah. That made me sad to hear. It's hard to hear. And somebody who I like looked up to as a kid and I mean, not like I wanted to be like him, but okay, you did get pepper sprayed. I did get pepper sprayed recently, which I haven't talked about on here. Do we want to address that at all? We can address that. If you listen to the Bobby Bone show, it was my really the thing started with you. Let's not put this back on me. <laughs> well, the idea came from you had I pepper spray. Pepper, I got a new pepper spray to carry with me and you wanted me to pepper spray you to make sure it works. And I said, mm, I don't think so. And I was like, we'll just do it, make a video and we'll see if it actually works. Because I always wondered truly if you were in a situation where you needed to use it, would it actually work? And then I was like, well, I'll just get pepper spray. And then I kind of want to see what it felt like. And then I'll admit it was also jackass inspired. Yeah, your Instagram caption was, hi, I'm Mike D. Welcome to jackass. <laughs> and I'll admit as far as. Like, that thing was so jackass-inspired, and it was part of me wanting to recreate things they did in the beginning. Even the stuff I referenced about, I don't know if you listened to the radio show when we talked about it initially, but I said another thing I wanted to try out was a safety vest, getting shot with one. But For anyone listening, <laughs> I am glaring at him right But I was now. joking, because that's what Johnny Knoxville did whenever... Wait, we need to stop your obsession with Johnny Knoxville. I'm going to shut that down right That was now. his entire bit, the way jackass was created, was he was testing out safety equipment... He sprayed himself with pepper spray, got shot with a stun gun, and then went out in the middle of nowhere. He ended up shooting himself with a bulletproof vest because nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> but that's where this whole thing came from. And I think we're done with your stunt time. I'm, I'm done with it. I felt the pain of pepper spray, and I am good. I lived out my dream of being like one of the people from Jackass, and I am good. You came home looking like you were crying. Like It was it slightly is, concerning. It is very intense, and... If you go watch the video on my Instagram at Mike Distro, you can see the entire stages of it. But that's a 60 second video of what was actually more of like a two hour process because for 15 minutes, I couldn't open my eyes without them burning intensely. 
And then for a good 30 minutes, it was still burning. I still haven't watched the video. Yeah, you probably wouldn't want to. But then it works. And I feel a lot more comfortable if you were to take that with you and needed to use it, that it would actually stun somebody, which it's supposed to do. It burns like you wouldn't believe. And not only that, but I didn't even know how red it was until I watched the video. And it looks like hot sauce was thrown into my face. Aside from it burning in my eyes, it also dripped down into my mouth and was burning. And you had some after effects of that, too. I did. So, yeah. Sorry Thank about that one. for your very chivalrous attempt to <laughs> prove that pepper spray works. Yeah, so it works. Um, but anyway, Jackass 4. <laughs> Not starring you. Not starring me. Also in movie news, Sandra Bullock has joined a new Brad Pitt movie. And it's basically a bunch of A-listers. It's a movie called Bullet Train. And the cast is pretty good. It's Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, and Lady Gaga, and also Bad Bunny. Sounds like an interesting movie. I love Sandra Bullock. You do love Sandra Bullock. I love Sandra Bullock. What is your favorite Sandra Bullock movie? The Proposal. Okay. Runner-up, Hope Floats. It's a classic. Harry Connick Jr., filmed in Smithville, like right outside of Austin. And also in movie news, Shia LaBeouf announced he is taking a break from acting and going in to get some care after those allegations came out of physical abuse from his ex. So, What do you think of people that announce they're taking a break? I think it's a response of allegations and saying that you need to go away for a minute. Why do you think there's something else behind it? Oh, no, I just wonder. I guess I think about it in terms of like influencer culture on Instagram when everyone's like, hey, guys, I'm not going to be on here tomorrow. Oh, a break. It is weird to announce, like on social media, it is weird to announce that you're taking a break. Like, we think that people are paying attention to everything we post all the time. And sometimes I feel that way. Like, oh, I haven't posted in a while. People are going to worry or think something. And literally nobody notices. It's both a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because, you know, nobody really cares and you're not, people aren't as focused on you as you think they are. So you could, I don't know, go away for a minute and not be a big deal. But also it's kind of sad <laughs> to think nobody really cares about you. Like, oh, you could go away for a while and people be like, oh, he was away. It is weird to announce that you're taking a break. Like, just take a break. You don't need to tell everybody that I'm not going to be on Instagram for a while. You're kind of already seeking attention and saying that I'm taking a break by taking a break. Just take the break. Well, and I feel like when Cameron Diaz, like, announced she was retiring from acting, like, she could have just not done anything else. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I just wonder about, like, these formal announcements. I didn't really know that she had retired from acting until I just realized that she wasn't in any movies for a while. And then I was like, oh, she actually announced that she's not acting anymore. See, I feel like you would just realize it eventually. I don't know. These are just my thoughts. Okay. Also, every single week, we got to give our shout out of the week. You can just send me a tweet, Instagram message, or message on Facebook on all platforms at Mike Distro. Or an email. Or an email. And that email is moviemikeD at gmail.com. And getting a lot of great emails over there, not only for... People who listen to the podcast every single Monday, but also some episode ideas or just suggestions we should do. So you got any of those, even any complaints, I'll take those as well, as long as they're constructive. Constructive criticism only. We welcome that. Um, if you just want to tell me that I suck or I can't speak well, I'm, I am aware of that. I'm not a great speaker <laughs> and I have a podcast, of course. But anyway, this one comes to us from Megwin Winkleman. Forgive me if I mispronounce your first name. It's a very unique spelling. But it says, you made me tear up this morning talking about meeting your fiance and then upset me bashing one of my favorite movies of all time when Harry met Sally. I also love while you were sleeping. But when I showed it to my daughter, she thought it was creepy too. Love the show. 
And I replied to her, actually, I was like, that's the range of this podcast. We'll warm your heart with one story and then make you completely hate it by ripping a movie you don't like to shreds. But what do I say on this podcast? You don't have to agree with all of my movie reviews. We're here to discuss movies. I'm giving you my opinions and my thoughts on movies, whether it's your favorite movie that I actually don't like or a movie that you think is stupid that I enjoy. Just state my opinions here, and it's just a place for us to have fun and talk about movies. So I just like that we have that range here. I don't agree with all of your movie reviews. Exactly. That's why I have you on as my co-host. You, if you know how boring it would be if we agreed on everything on this, it would be very boring. It would be very boring. If you love Jackass too, we'd just be two jackasses in here. <laughs> well, anyway, that's the episode for this week. Thanks everybody for listening. I gotta say, like the most cool response that I see online in the messages or in the tweets is like people who listen every single Monday like that really means a lot to me like the fact that this podcast that I've been doing for over a year now has become a part of anybody's Monday routine like that really means a lot so everybody listening to this on a Monday this episode is for you guys appreciate you so much more than you even know and I will talk to you guys again next week here on the podcast and until then later I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.